welcome to the Child Discipleship Podcast. My name is Melanie Hester, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. We have a conversation with a well-known figure in the church who has helped countless people process through what it looks like to disciple in today's day and age. His name is Ed Stetzer, and he was a speaker at the Child Discipleship Forum in 2023. He brought to us this idea of what it looks like for the church to establish intentional discipleship strategies in the midst of culture. His full talk is available at childdiscipleship.com. But for now, here's that conversation. We're going to keep having the fun uh, that we've been having all day here at the Child Discipleship Forum. We are privileged to be joined now by uh, Dr. Ed. And the fun is ending. Oh, no. Dr. Stetzer is I specifically... Who says doctor and thinks of fun? But anyway. I specifically programmed fun. Did you? Okay, good. We're going to need... Yeah, we do fun in this room. Okay, good. I I don't know about you, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, okay, sorry. (laughs) It is great to be here with you. Thank you so much for what you were able to share. Thank you. Thank you for coming back to the forum. Did people who are watching the stream see what we just talked yes. about? Okay, good. That helps. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. Yes, we are continuing the okay. conversation. Continuing the conversation. And, um, Correcting my, my stuff. You're going to say, Jenny, yeah. be like, you said this wrong. Yep, there's a lot right. of notes. There That's is, actually what this is. This is, a, this is actually more of an intervention. It's more of an intervention. <laughs> I received that. That's I received exactly that. right. I need those. Two people will tell you that. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I want to start with. Yes. Because what you just unpacked, I think there's a tendency for people, whenever there's a conversation like that, for people to maybe feel like, it could feel almost overwhelming. Sure it is. I mean, that's literally what I would feel in the world we live in today. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I was so grateful that you touched on was this uh, division of the church. Yeah. Because I feel like whenever we're having a conversation like this, we got to start at home. It's And it's crazy to see just in the last few years how much Christians have gotten mad at each other. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of our hearts here, one of the hearts of the forum that Awana is trying to position mm-hmm. is gathering people together, gathering people who don't agree with each other. Yeah. We agree on the important things. We agree on the things of Jesus. But gathering people together who don't always see eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. You are someone who... that used to be a good thing. But now you get up and say, you know, we disagree on some things. People are like, well, which things do we disagree on so I can fight with you about? But yeah. man, I, man, if we agree on the centrality of the gospel, the work of Christ on the cross, the and the teachings of the scripture, mm-hmm. and how we address other things, those become secondary, tertiary. Yeah. yeah. So when someone is agreeing on those things, yeah. they're, they're trying to engage in those conversations mm-hmm. and they're often getting stomped on. Yeah. You are someone who loves to engage in those conversations no. and isn't afraid to get stumped <laughs> no. on. But often people aren't, maybe not, don't feel as bold or as yeah. confident as uh-huh. you are. If I'm a leader and I feel that in the context of my own community, maybe not yeah. the context of Twitter, yeah. but the context of my own community, yeah. how can I have the courage to step into that space? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Even if I'm not, even if I am going to get stumped yeah. on. So let me say... Twitter is not the real world. <laughs> Amen. Thank so, you for um, saying thank that. You for, thank you, Thank, thank you, everyone, yep. for your time. Especially um, Christian Twitter, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is not the real world. People spend a lot of time on Christian Twitter. I would say that um, the reality is there's a phrase I use on Twitter. It says, you don't have to show up for every fight you're invited to. Mm. Um, now, I recognize, too, also, this is important. So, you know, my role is different in evangelical Christianity. I'm kind of a cultural commentator. I, I speak into issues that I don't think every Christian should be necessarily engaging in a public sphere. I mean, I write articles defending Christian sexual ethics in USA Today. So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's a little different. What I would say, though, I think everyone is called to be faithful in times when people are trying to cry uh, false things that are true and true things that are false, to say with winsome conviction, those two words really matter, be winsome and with conviction. Uh, Barry Corey, who's the president at Biola University, where I serve now, he would say that we have a uh, 
uh, soft edges and a hard center, you know, and I think that's that's a good place to be. I think a lot of Christians have, I mean, not a lot, maybe there's a growing percentage of Christians decide the answer is just to punch harder. And I don't think that you can war against a people and reach a people at the same time. Now, what I would say is you can and should speak up on difficult cultural issues. The question is how, when, and in what spirit do you speak up? And I think sometimes people, you know, well, Jesus flipped over tables in the temple. Yeah, but look at Jesus' um, ministry. Look at how he engaged people. Look at, look at who, he got, who he got angry at. It was the religious people. Mm-hmm. And look at how he engaged the confused culture around him. So I do think that, you know, what I talked about in the talk today is representing Jesus and his kingdom is a real key part of what we do. And I would say if you're mainly being shaped by what you, the tone you see on cable news or on the internet, you're not going to engage culture in a very Jesus-like way. Again, I think a Jesus-like way would be with, uh, with clear convictions that are, again, outside of the cultural norm. I think that's the thing. We're all canceled. We're all canceled. Mm-hmm. So we're outside the cultural norm, but let's live for Jesus anyway, because if the resurrection is true, it's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, you have what you just articulated there. You have a specific calling. You have a specific sure. lane to this conversation. Sure. We're not asking everyone to go be Ed right. Stetzer. Right. That would but, be a bad thing just in general, because there's only, <laughs> we don't even need another one Ed Stetzer for that matter. But there is a specific, I think about the a children's ministry leader in yeah. this conversation, yeah. right? And some of those maybe, this came up in the chat, and I would love for both of you to speak yeah. on this, right? This is a very specific conversation where a, you have a parent who made themselves aren't following the ways of Jesus, right. but they're bringing their kids into this church. Sure. So Jenny, to start with you, yeah. how... How often is that a pain, like how does that pain point play out? And what are some of those ways that you see that as, a, your, as your lived experience? So the kid coming in who has no church background and parents have vastly different beliefs right. is what I'm hearing you yeah. asking. Yeah. And our leaders ask this a lot too. Our leaders, as we're equipping them to have these hard conversations, which is something we're passionate about here at Awana. Um, the leaders are asking, okay, we have these hard conversations, but we're going to really make the parents mad. So I definitely want your insight in this as well, Dr. Setzer. But what we encourage is to make sure that we are pointing towards the truth of God's word, to be careful. We don't want to get with the kids. We don't want to get in the weeds of all the division and all the stuff, right? We want to point them towards what God's word says. Instead of focusing on, here's all the issues of transgenderism and here's what all that means, because some kids have never heard of that. Sure, and your sure. kid coming in off the street sure. is going to know a whole lot more than the some of the other kids in yeah, the group, right? right? We're going to focus on, here's what God says about men and women. God created men, God created mm-hmm. women. Here's what God's word says. And as those questions from kids get deeper and get a little more awkward, we'll address those as it's age appropriate. It may be we'll address it on the side, but we want to have that conversation with the parents too. But standing on here, you know, this is what our church believes is what scripture says. And that, that's all we can argue. We're not going to get into the political stuff of it. We're not going to get into, try not to get the de- yeah. divisive stuff of it. But we understand that that's a huge pain point for our leaders. But Dr. Cesar, I'd love for you to speak mm-hmm. to our leaders too. What would you say to that? Well, I think you are rightly articulating an approach. The challenge is, is that approach in a world that can see that as, as hateful is right. tricky. Right. But I think, I mean, I'm glad he asked you that because Jenny, he, he's got your number. And so <laughs> I think one You of have the things, no idea. Yeah, um, but I think one of the things that, 
Here's where, so age appropriate is really key, yeah. but let's say that that, we take it a step uh, further, that 16-year-old is now, and again, we, what we find is, is that, you know, under 20, we're talking identifying as LGBTQ plus at, uh, at, at one out of four in some yeah. studies. Yeah. So, so then I think the phrase you said is really good. Well, this is what we believe the Bible teaches. Uh, we could even just say this is what the Bible teaches. Right. But I, I think we have to recognize that when I, when I was first starting a church, we had a, you know, I was, was a few decades ago, we had kids who would come to the youth group mm-hmm. and they'd hear the gospel and people would get mad at us because parents would get mad at us whose kids went to church who became Christians yeah. because they didn't think it was true. Mm. Um, and so it's like, why would you be committed to Christ? It's not yeah. true. But they were like, okay, my kid's religious. Right. But now what you say, the parents might think it's harmful. It's offensive. It's yeah, it's offensive. harmful. It's, it's going to hurt them. Yeah. And so what I would say is, I think this is where uh, clear communication with parents, even parents of who, you know, they send their kids, you know, yeah. my... My, my, I'm a Christian today because my dad and mom didn't care that my sister rode a bus to church in New mm-hmm. York City. So, um, so, so I think for us, we have to acknowledge and to say, you know, this is what we teach here as a church. Right. Um, but I think the challenge is, is that somebody needs to say, because right now in many places, not every place, the public education system, um, the higher education system, uh, the mainstream press has all sort of gone in that we're going to tell a different story about what men and women are. Yeah. And we may be the only place that they hear um, what I think is the biblical truth about gender and sexuality. Right. So I would say, and this is where, and I apologize for the leaders, but this is where too, I think you're going to have to, uh, maybe apologize is the wrong term, but but you didn't sign up for having to know the level of things you're going to have to know to have yeah. these conversations. Sure. So um, so pick up a book. There are Christian books. Um, you know, start listening to podcasts. You know, we have Sean McDowell at uh, Talbot there at Biola um, and others. Uh, start walking through reading because, I mean, for a lot of people, a lot of Christian volunteers, I mean, they just want to love, love kids, and, and, I, and, I, and I get it. But if you're going to love middle schoolers, uh, you're going to love them in the way that is honoring to the Lord and true. You're going to have to be able to answer questions that, that yeah. when I was a kid, uh, when I was in, uh, you know, we came to Christ at, uh, in youth group age, we weren't asking those questions the same way. Yeah. So that's where it's tricky. So I think your, yeah, your response is the right response. Right. It's sort of walking through that and and to say and this is where maybe it's hard for a lot of christians to say to that young person who may be struggling with his or her gender identity is to say you know what you don't have to believe everything we believe right now Mm. um but at least consider this and and let's walk this together And we're going to love you through this because here's the reality right um these are not people outside of our church the reality is when you get up at church and you talk about same-sex marriage, or you talk about gender identity or, or uh, gender identity struggles or gender dysphoria, you can actually say things that people will amen in church. And the end result is they'll, you actually have people in your church who say, you don't understand me, you don't get this. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that's the path that I think ultimately we can walk is to have a pastoral approach with a biblical conviction. I think those two things yeah. together really matter. Yeah. And I love um, in your talk a few minutes ago, your emphasis on the ministry of reconciliation. And I think that plays in here too, right? With these parents, if these parents get upset or if these parents don't understand, what if we're approaching with relationship and not just we're trying to defend? Mm-hmm. We want to defend the scriptures, of course, and explain what we believe, but through the lens of relationship and reconciliation. And our goal is for you to know Jesus. Our goal isn't for us just to show you that we're right, right? Our goal is to show, teach you the truth, but for you to know Jesus. So, yeah, I think that's the starting point. I think, um, Everything rises and falls on whether or not the resurrection is real mm. and the gospel is true. And if the gospel is true, 
starting people in a world where they just reject our view of sexual ethics and starting with the sexual ethics is actually a bit of a strange place to ask people who don't know Jesus to live right. yeah. Yeah. differently. And I would just say, you know, trying to tell people to live for Jesus or live like Jesus would want them to live outside of the power of Jesus in their lives is really detrimental and harmful right. to everybody. So what I would say is, you know, Awana loves evangelism. And I think having people know Jesus, then be discipled, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And that's a lifelong journey for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and there's the pastoral approach, right? I think we so often want to approach these conversations as enemies, right? Assuming an ill intent, Ill, Ill intent, easy for me to say. And we have to defend the scriptures. There, no one is saying, oh, we're not going to defend the scriptures in this conversation. But when you start with that spirit of reconciliation, when you start with the winsome spirit, yeah. there was parts of your talk that I was like, are we, is this an open mic night? Like yeah. it was hilarious. Oh, I'll try to be less, less funny. <laughs> no, we like <laughs> funny. No, it was, you know, the fun room. We like it. Yeah. <laughs> conferences, it's like, you know, I mean, you got to have a little fun in conferences. Yeah. When I'm preaching at, at my church. Yes. I just go through, th- yeah, anyway. It was perfect. Okay. Because I had a what, little too much Red Bull this morning. Okay, <laughs> great. Good now I know what to give you. Yeah, exactly. Now I want to give you next time you're back. Exactly. Because what I so appreciate about that is that is often, you know, we're not going to speak in absolutes here, right? But that is often the right place to start. Yeah. That is often one of my favorite things about working at Awana right now is I can't tell you what's going to work. I can't be like, do this in your community. And that's exactly how it's going to play out. But when you follow the approach that you're laying out, that is a path forward that is pointing you in the right direction. One of the things that you said, though, that I want to drill in on a little bit, too, is you said that we're you, you made the qualification that you're not a uh, you're not a prophet. Right. But you said we're halfway through yeah. a, a cultural compulsion. Yeah. How why do you believe that? Yeah. And if I'm a leader listening to this and I have a small ministry, that is one of those things where I'm like, what am I supposed to do knowing I'm only halfway through yeah. when I'm praying that we're at the very end? Yeah, that would be, be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, so <laughs> I, I think that one of the reasons I think that we're kind of walking through this cultural convulsion is when we look at past patterns, longevity is more the norm than brevity when it comes to some of these cultural issues. Now, now not forever, but you think about the 60s, right? So, and if we, th- if we see this as cyclical, which I, I tend to see this as cyclical, if we see this as cyclical, we see that it takes a while for us to kind of start distrusting each other, getting mad at each other. So uh, 68 probably was the peak of that. So, but you can also go back to 65 and, and but by the time you get to 68, you know, civil rights protests are all across the country. Civil, uh, you know, Vietnam War protests, um, you had the assassinations. I, I don't think we've had as much violence that I think we're probably going to see in culture because there were assassinations. Martin Luther King was assassinated that year, Bobby Kennedy. Um, the, the convention, political convention, the DNC was that year in Chicago and people are old enough. There's a very famous clip of Dan Rather being pushed over. I mean, so the level of this is, is what we've experienced now is actually less than the sixties, less than the early 1900s, certainly less than the one before, which was the civil war. So, um, so it seems it's still peaking. Um, and so typically, I mean, do, is the, are the measures of division going down? And the answer is no. Actually, we seem to be hardening in our views towards one another. Um, we seem to be. So, so what could it mean? We're about to enter another election cycle. Which that that's going to be super fun. So, um, <laughs> because because what what happens is 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 we've moved to the sense of disagreement to now disgust and contempt for one another. Mm. Is that people we disagree with are fundamentally and basically evil individuals who need to be crushed and defeated. 
And historically, when people think that, it gets worse and worse. Um, actually, people, extremists take violent actions as well. So I don't know, you know, and again, I think it's really key because, you know, in 68, if you were around in 68, you weren't sure the country was going to going to just pull apart. I mean, there was, you know, and it's a lot of ways it's similar to 2020. You know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it tends to rhyme. But let's look at let's look at 2020. Uh, 2020, there was uh, the the protests after the murder of George Floyd were larger than the civil rights protests. Um, you had um, you had I mean, just to go through 2020. You've got you've got COVID. You've got uh, riots. You've got election. You've got January 6th. You've got changing cultural views of sexuality. You've got I mean, it's just really and it kind of it kind of re- reminds us a little bit of. 68. Um, but, you know, you probably take till 72 before you say, maybe 73 before you say things sort of settle back down. So, but I also want to remind you that in the midst of those cultural convulsions are in 1968 is when uh, a pastor in Southern California turned to his daughter and said, I want to meet one of these hippies. Yeah. And she brings home this hippie. His name's Lonnie. And um, this pastor's name's Chuck. And they start a Bible study. He's a new believer on Saturday night, goes to hundreds and thousands. Then they start spreading all over, start communes and coffee shops because it's the 60s. Sure. Um, sure. And that pastor, of course, Chuck Smith and, and Lonnie Frisbee. And you've probably seen the movie, Jesus Revolution. Well, that happens. You can sort of sense it in the movie. The movie is kind of really a telling of Greg Laurie's journey. Well, it says that at the beginning from his book. Um, but, but I'm of the view that I'm hopeful that in the midst of this cultural convulsion, which I don't want to keep lasting. I mean, it's costing, it's costing pastors emotional crises. It's costing pa- pastors are leaving the ministry over the difficulty that we're walking through. So part of the reason I think that it's probably going to be more elongated is we're coming back into another election cycle. Things are not settled. If anything, they've become worse. We're hardening our views towards one another. And so what I would say for pastors is you better build some reservoirs of resilience. Mm. I think we're kind of like, oh, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. I don't think it's going to stop. But if I'm wrong, but and I want to be wrong. Right. Right. If I'm wrong, then great. But you better build reservoirs of resilience and get some communities of support to make it through the long haul. And I also say, too, the pastors and church leaders, just focus and have have courage in the midst of some of these realities. Um, do what's right. Teach what's right. We're, again, we're all already canceled. Let's live for Jesus on tough issues, pastors, church leaders, volunteers. Clarity is kindness. Let's be kind by telling what we believe because mm-hmm. we believe it's true, and we're going to be honest with people about what we believe. I think that's key through what it will probably be a few more years of cultural disruption. Mm. Dr. Stetzer, as we think about kids being raised in this yeah. cultural yeah. convulsion, what would you say, as we're thinking about child discipleship, what areas should our leaders and our parents be focusing in on to prepare kids for what they're living in right now? I mean, they're living in all this division. Yeah. The kids are seeing it in their yeah. phones. How do we, what should we be pouring into them right now, preparing them? Well, let's say first, let's hopefully they'll see less on their phones. I, I think ultimately, you know, there's an article in the New York Times that basically chronicled why the people who invented social media don't let their children use social media. Uh, yeah. That should be a lesson to us. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and let me also add that TikTok, which is catechizing an entire generation, mm. is actually create, you know, owned and created in China. And it's not, the people are not allowed to use it in China. Yeah. So worth knowing, and I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing that out there to, you know, right. kind of, kind but of those should be scared. huge red flags. But those should be huge red flags. So, so delay, you know, yeah. I'm not saying forever but delay. Um, and what I would say is, I think ultimately, um, one of the things that, that um, maybe we can learn from our Jewish friends is um, 
Jewish people, not all Jewish people, you can't speak about a group as a whole, but they kind of, in some ways, there's kind of a, if you read some literature about Jewish parents, Mm -hmm. they kind of teach their kids, you know, not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. Um, and but we're going to be in this together, and this is what we believe. This is who we are mm. as a people, and as a both as a culture and a faith, and more. And they kind of build that somewhat into the lives of their children. Yeah. And I would say we don't. We're like, you know, just be friendly. Be you know, people maybe people will like you, and et cetera, et cetera. And and I think we can learn from uh, minority groups that want to preserve their identity. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I, I'm saying in the case of we're still living in mainstream culture, but to just say, you know, some of the things you're going to believe. Yeah. I mean, tell, tell, you know, when my, again, I'm not the best example of a parent. You know, we're still on a journey. We're still, we, we struggle. But our kids would say sometimes, well, you know, other kids. And I said, well, we're, gonna, we're actually not like other kids. Right. We're not like other families. Right. And I think that, that probably that's a different thing than parents were saying 40 years ago. But I think it's a necessary thing yeah. today. And eventually they'll see, and maybe you can tell them along the way, that the reason we're different is is because these values really matter. Who we are really matters. Might be an ethnic or a minority group might say that. But as Christians, we might say also, too, I mean, the world's kind of falling apart. And we believe that Jesus offers and provides a better way. So I think unapologetically communicating that, communicating that it's not all going to be just um, just roses and parties. I mean, yeah. it's it's there are some differences. And kind of the Christian impulse from the 80s and 90s was to sort of blend in and build relationships. I still think that's a good impulse. Mm-hmm. But let's just acknowledge that you can be really nice, but you can't winsome your way out of some of the cultural issues today. So yeah. just say, you know, we just believe differently. And we recognize that that's going to be hard for people to receive. And let's move forward together. I think that's great wisdom for our leaders and for our parents mm-hmm. who are watching. Yeah. You said in your talk earlier that you were paying attention. I was. Were you like actually? It wasn't like you weren't live streaming back here. And no, I was yeah. bouncing it out. The, those who know you were me, bouncing it out. So you were. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, he, did he listen the whole time? I'm going to be intellectually honest. honest with you. Well, I was on the I was on the front row taking notes. I don't Thank know what you. he was doing. Jenny was. <laughs> Jenny's got your number. Yes, Jenny was she paying does. attention the whole time. But he those of you knows who all know me, so he does. He does. Yeah, those of you know know me know that. Ed's talk was the talk I was paying the most attention okay, to. Okay, which is, sure. you know, kind of as a comparison, it's like the, the, the dimmest sunset, but go ahead. Yeah, as someone who got a theater degree from a really good engineering school, yeah. that's about as high of a compliment <laughs> as I can give you um, good. academically. Good. But Did you really get a theater degree? I did. How about that? Okay. Yeah, you know, God works through all things. Yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you could break out in show tunes at any moment. Hey, dance? Um, I could. Okay. Okay. Um, Do you dance? No. Okay. Well, Jenny, you got your number. She got, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, jazz hands. It's good. Um, all right. So here we go. One, two, three. I did not envision that I'm gonna happening need, in this no, no, interview. Exactly. Yeah. Real quick, I'm going to need our social media team to mark that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to need our social the, team to mark that. Mark the quick. Talbot School of Theology yeah. team. Jazz hands. Okay. Okay. Here's my question. Yeah. I think so much of the division that we've talked about is rooted in this desire. You use the phrase like... We've lost our home field advantage. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of folks want to do, a natural impulse, I'm not criticizing the impulse, yeah. is to regain the home field advantage. Sure, sure. And it's stretching the metaphor a little thin, but I think what's... No, I think that's fair. I think, yeah. What I think your reconciliation is resetting the field, exactly. Wow. And how do we help folks who are nostalgically looking back yeah. at a reality recognize that actually the that energy is better spent resetting the field. 
That's fair. Um, so I think in part, you know, people look back and they look back with a skewed sense of vision sometimes. You know, mm. go back to the 50s was maybe a peak of religiosity in America. But you didn't want to be an African-American in the 50s. You know, you didn't want to walk through, uh, you know, I'm glad my daughters have opportunities that they wouldn't have in mm. the 50s. Um, so, so I think that's, you know, so there's certainly some things that we'd say were good. I mean, I think it's good that people were engaging issues of faith at a higher level. So I'd say nostalgia is often a skewed view of the past. But here's the challenge, right? Would it be better if there were more people identifying as Christians who are having more influence in culture living Christian values? Absolutely. So I, I worked towards that. If, if what I do makes an impact, more people will be Christians, have more influence in culture. You know, at Biola University, we have, we just uh, launched this, not launched this, renamed this uh, uh, School of the Snyder, uh, you know, School of Cinema and Media Arts. So we've got these kids, I'm not supposed to call them kids, but they're my kid's age. And they're going to school here, and they're, like, working on all the movies that you see. Like, like this, you know, we actually put up, this is the Marvel movie they worked on now, and this is that. So we're teaching them to be salt and light in the world. They're making a difference. You sometimes even see and hear it in some of the films that people have. So, um, so they're making a difference. At the same time, I wouldn't say you know, we're, there's a bastion of influence to take place in Hollywood. So let's work towards uh, working towards being salt and light in the world. And... When, people, when Christians did that around the second and third century, they actually had a huge impact. Yeah. The challenge is we live in the West. And the West is right now in a process of secularization. The United States and Ireland and Poland sort of kind of resisted that trend for, for decades, a century. But not anymore. So you can sort of follow the probable trajectory of secularization. So we're, you know, about 60s, high, mid to high 60s, call themselves Christians. In Canada... It's, you know, depending upon the poll, I ask question, where the question is in the survey, the low 60s. In the UK, the mid to high 50s. In Australia, the low 50s. In New Zealand, the high 40s. So the most likely trajectory, um, about to launch a series of interviews I did with Greg Smith from Pew Research and Frank Newport from Gallup. We're doing this thing at Glue called Faithlytics. Just, so I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing researchers. It's a very niche thing, but I'm having fun with it. Um, people will make fun of me, but the nerd hat comes on. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If current trends continue, and that's what trends tend to do. Trends are called trends because they're trending. Right. If current trends continue, we're going to be more secular. Mm -hmm. uh, and the question then becomes is how will Christians engage from the margin? Will they be pressed and distressed to the point where they move away from their faith convictions? Well, I think for some, we, we have seen that. I think um, what I want to instead do is to live faithfully, teach what the Bible teaches, stand up for what the Bible tells us to stand up for, and through that journey, to faithfully live on mission. And the language I use is we're probably going to be a convictional minority. Now, would I be great if, if we saw revival break out? Yes, praise God. I, I walk through the, used to walk through the Billy Graham Center Museum telling people about revivals in the past. But if current trends continue, we better find ways, and this is why I love the Resilient Child, Resilient Disciple, the Child Discipleship Forum, we better find ways to pass on a robust faith that can withstand cultural hurricanes. And I think maybe the last few years shown us that we didn't do that as well. So I think, I think the potential's great to be there, but that's why we come to places like this and the Child Discipleship Forum is so important. Okay. Jenny, I wanna give the last word to you because this is a oh, hard no conversation. Pressure. No pressure. But it's a nuanced conversation. Okay. For folks who have been a part of this, I would ask, how do we help this conversation that it may seem overwhelming yeah. make sense for the next Sunday or the next time some of any of the hard things that we've talked about so far play out in their ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, 
one of the greatest things that you've said in the last few minutes that's resonated with me is we've got to be aware, right? Our leaders have got to figure out how to get into that space without being overwhelmed. So I would say, going back to some of what we talked about yesterday with John Tyson was seek God first, right? John so Tyson maybe, is so much cooler than me, too. Well, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that. <laughs> saying you were that. about to make a serious point, but I just... I could just listen to John Tyson all right. day long. He yeah, just his sounds, accent? He sound, it has like 10 <laughs> IQ points. It does. Mm-hmm. You could read the phone book, and I'd be like, amen, brother. Amen. Mm-hmm. Right, sorry, God. And people are like, what's a phone book? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry about that. Good. I don't know what I was going to okay. say. <laughs> what John Tyson was saying. What was yeah. John Tyson saying? Well, he made the point of seek God first. I mean, that's such a basic Sunday school answer that's when I say answer. it like that. He said it much cooler than that, obviously. But that's what I think about, about the leader facing Sunday morning. Because you don't know what kid's going to walk in with what issue or with what concern or with what, hey, I heard this this weekend, right? And our leaders are overwhelmed with all the division and the culture and everything that's happening. So leaders, what I would encourage you to do is seek God first. As Dr. Sesser said, look at the resources that are out there. Inform yourself so that you know how to approach this. And remember that it's a ministry of reconciliation. That's what I just keep coming back to. It's a ministry of pointing people towards Jesus. Amen to that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good to see you guys. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Next week.